I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a runecast that I've done for years, focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. The Weekly Rune is now available in full on Patreon.com. Just do a search for Kelly Harrell to find it, and you can find the archive of all past runecasts on my site, soulintentarts.com. If you're not sure what a half-month is or what the runic calendar is, Listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the weekly rune. It's explained fully at the beginning of every runecast. Thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast, to those who send notes and share their experiences of the runes. That's what it's all about, and I'm grateful for the engagement. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the podcast and the RuneCast possible with their financial support. If you've benefited from the RuneCast, the podcast, or the ton of free articles on the runes, animism, and soul tending on my website, you can show your support through buying my books, which you can find at soulintentarts.com or Amazon, by making a one-time contribution through PayPal or Square, or by contributing regularly through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search for Kelly Harrell. You can also subscribe to the paid version of the Weekly Rune there, and thank you for it. Something that's been coming up in the last mm, week plus with Perthro by this point, right? The current half-month rune is a really uncomfortable territory for me. And so, of course, that's what we're going to talk about today. No, I'm not quite ready to dive headfirst into my uncomfortable territory, per se. But I want to talk about uncomfortable territory, period. Especially as it pertains to shifts in your spiritual life. Because that's Perthro territory. I mean, people often think that Perthro is about luck and fate and destiny And it sort of is in the way that those things are factors around the way we make choices, around the choices that we make. But we usually stop the discussion there, totally stops short in our understanding of it. And even though those things have a facet of unknown and unknowable, kind of sort of passively associated with them, we leave off the biggest aspect of Perthro which is how we respond to the way our choices actually manifest in our lives and how our choices get mixed up in systemic shit that we kind of have to end up coping with that probably didn't even see coming as an aspect of what we were willing to risk and gamble. Because that's ultimately what Perthro is about. It's about not knowing what's coming and yet knowing that we have to roll the dice anyway. And the way that concepts like fate and destiny are put forward, even in like really forward-thinking pagan circles, is that it's, you know, it kind of sort of might not go your way, but 
there's like this unspoken bypass that it just will, or that'll it'll go your way more than it won't. There's just this spin, this, ah, I hate to say it, but kind of like sickly positive spin when we talk about things like fate and destiny. And, and the tendency for that bypass alone suggests that we have more control over the web of things than we actually have. It's just another way to sort of like divert. And I, I see that, honestly, as a place where New Age law of attraction has really heavily shaped the path of modern paganism. But that's, that's going to have to be another soapbox. The thing is, you know, we don't control the whole playing field. Duh, right? We all know that. And yet, we kind of don't. <laughs> I mean, we know it intellectually, but we kind of live in a lot of ways like somebody's going to come in and change it. Somebody's going to come in and, and, and save it. And, and the deal with Perthro is that's not the way it works. It, it's not pessimistic. It's just reality. We know what our options are. We know what the six sides of the die are. And so we roll. And I want to talk about that for me. It, it's about the runes. It's about my relationship to the runes. But but I want to hold it in sort of a greater perspective of spiritual change. Like when, when we're asked to change something deeply spiritual about ourselves, whether that's cosmology, um, some component of belief, practice, ritual, something that is precious to us at a deeply spiritual level and for whatever reason, in our growing pains, it comes along and says, no. I heavily encourage people to work with the runes as keys that help humans deal with Orlog, the laws of nature. They're, they're like these codes for how to engage earthly life, to be a fit elder, to die well, to ancestor well. That's my motto. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker eventually. The, the runes are all that. And speaking only for myself, to get to the point that I have with them, I've had to set down a lot of projections and personal bullshit, and I didn't want to set it down. I mean, that's the thing. Whenever we start getting that tap on the shoulder that something about our spiritual path isn't working the same way anymore, it's never something we're good with. It's like a food allergy. You don't become allergic to things that you hate. And in that way, it's a sacrifice. You're asked to make a sacrifice to make sure that you really still are true to the path or true to the implements of the path, which is it. If you've read Runic Book of Days, then you already know this part of the story, so fast forward. But I started studying the runes when I was 17, and that, for anybody counting, was almost 31 years ago. Can't believe that, but it's true. And I found them through a friend who had the Bloom book. In the 80s, that was the only widely available resource on the runes. And that's so hard to process now. Like everybody and their brother is all about the runes now. Thank you, Vikings. But, um, you know, I, I didn't know at the time because it was the only resource. But he'd made up half of the book. Like he, he took some base skeletal aspects of the runes. He changed the order. He made up his own meanings in some cases. He, I think he really is the person we have to thank for this like one word 
code system that we have for the runes now. And honestly, he added a whole blank rune. What even is that? So, you know, okay, there's that. The runes themselves spoke to me. But when I would try to decode them according to the book, I just got this big fat nothing. Okay, no, 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 that's not even accurate. That's not true. I did get something. And it was like, I want to feel it right now. Do you feel it as I feel it? It was this sense of overbearing bravado. Like it even came with a noise component that was just loud and deep, this, like an oppressive voice. And I didn't want anything to do with it. But I was like, but the runes, the runes, they speak to me. So I worked with them for a while, like a good while, like maybe a few years. I just couldn't get past the book and that, that wall of, of stink. And I thought because I was coming from a spiritual path that had not worked for me for, you know, 14 years, and I, I'd walked away from that, I still carried this perspective that when somebody says, this is the way this holy thing works, you don't have permission to work with it differently. Like, that's the programming that we all get in this culture. Even if you're not raised Christian, that's the message that we get. You are not worthy of discerning your spiritual mm, off-roads for yourself. So I put it all down. And, and what happened next was I, I started seeing the runes in everything, like everywhere. And sometime later... I committed to pick them back up again without the book. And at that point, it, it really was like I'd known them all my life. Like there had never been a departure. There was clear personal connection, relationship, engagement. And by that point, there was also a lot written on the history of the runes. And, and honestly, thank the freaking gods for Nigel Pinnock because his books were what really helped me situate a personal relationship to the runes, but, but really to soul anything and still have a, a theological or, or even academic awareness of those things. Like how they got through our ancestry to here, to me sitting here. I could have all of that and it was okay. My point is... I had to make a leap. I had to be willing to be without a resource in order to learn what my personal relationship was to the runes. And I know that now with the internet and Oprah and, you know, everybody and their brother is an expert, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. I think it's difficult, especially for younger people. I can't believe I just said that. I think it's really difficult for young people who weren't, um, who, who don't know life without the age of information to understand how hard it was to get to esoteric resources before the mid nineties. But I want, but, but come back to this. Like if, if the whole age of information thing has ruined you, if Google has ruined you, come back to how hard pressed you would be if some component of your cosmology said no thank you to you, if some aspect 
of your soul path that you've had a relationship with. You've been working. You, it called you. It, it wooed you. And then all of a sudden it breaks up with you. How stressed would you be trying to piecemeal some kind of spiritual path or cosmology back together without an elder? It's not that easy in this culture. It's, it's not easy at all, in fact. And, and the caveat of that <laughs> that I learned personally, really quickly, was that people who study the runes hardcore as spiritual practice don't like New Age shit. And people who study the runes hardcore as academics don't like people who study them for spiritual practice. Like it was a lose-lose situation. Again, I wanted both. I, I had a connection and relationship to both aspects of the runes. And the thing about both is you don't get accepted by anybody, right? Hashtag story of my life. So what did I do? The thing that made the most sense, I wrote a book bridging it all. And I was terrified. I really have to pause here and thank my Patreon supporters again, because more than any other like community that I was involved in at the time, they knew about this. I talked with them about this really openly. My angst as going on record for working with the runes in a context that can bring them into modern lives without abandoning or butchering their historic cultural context. Well, they're changing again for me. And I've been talking with my Patreon folks about that too. And at some point, I'll maybe sort of talk to a wider audience about that. And that's not even the point. The thing is, Perthro in all of this is until you're willing to put down what you're afraid of in the unknown, even in the realm of your precious soul stuff, your cosmology, you won't go further in the known. What needs to come as the stronger, more powerful relationship in your cosmology and your soul path can't come until you let go of the stuff that doesn't fit. And that's hard. It's really fucking hard when we're talking about cosmology or an oracle that spoke to you in a way that, you know, at least at the time, it felt like the guy when he was making mashed potato um, mountains in Close Encounters. If you haven't seen that, Millennials, that was when movies were art and food was prophetic. Food was an oracle. But it felt that foreign, like it was, you know, just some weird out-of-world message. But that's the kind of stuff that, that we have to be open to with Perthra. We have to be willing to get our messages from wherever to be able to take the gamble to move on to whatever we're being asked to do. So whatever it is in your soul life that's demanding to be reimagined right now and it's scaring the crap out of you because it means letting go of something really sweet, it means taking a leap of faith. You can't move at all until you're willing to let that go. And you don't know where you're going to land, but you will land. The thing about cosmology, you know, I do this, other people do it. We, we harp about how you need to understand the cast of characters, the terrain, the soundtrack, the fragrances of your cosmology. And yet it's not even about all of those things being static. It's just about being willing to keep investigating cosmology as a life force itself. 
So wherever you go, you know, when you jump, when you land, I'll be here. A lot of other folks will too. And thank you for taking that risk because your willingness to take that risk to grow really is a win for us all. That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about working with the runes in season or you just need a cheerleader, feel free to email me at kelly at solentonarts.com or call in through the Anchor app, which you can download for Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all the other podcast platforms out there. If you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, which is a podcast that I co-host with a couple of other lovely ladies, also on Anchor. And other podcasts you might enjoy are Around Grandfather Fire, hosted by James Stovall and Sarah Odinson, and also Why Shamanism Now, hosted by Christina Pratt. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting solentonarts.com or on Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird. Mm-hmm.